anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. He's got a death curse. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing on this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. Hey, campers. We are back for, my God, it feels like the 14th, but it's only the 9th installment. See, it was all fun, the first four or five, and now it's like work. Now it's like an extra job to have to get through this, the (laughs) Friday the 13th special series. I am Chris. I am also Chris. And due to a clerical problem. I am still not Chris. What the fuck? What? What? I'm uh, sorry. I I didn't get the fees paid before the quarter ended. All right. Well, next week is a brand new quarter, so we should be okay. Well, but I got to start the process all over Son again. Son of a bitch. <sighs> hey, bureaucracy, man. And this is the friends with benefits. This is a, this is a cheer tatorship, Scott. <laughs> it is not a cheerocracy. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah, there's, there's a reference you don't get. It's okay. You'll get there. Buddy, I don't blame you for not getting that one. Yeah. Part 9, Friday the 13th, the special series. All three of us, despite what some people might believe, are uh, your guides on Camp Crystal Lake. And we've made it to... What uh, a lot of people feel like is just the continuation of a down, down, downward trend in the Friday the 13th series after the lack of success of and false title of Jason Takes Manhattan, Paramount Pictures sold the rights to Friday the 13th and really only... Jason Voorhees, not Friday the 13th, but Jason Voorhees, the character, to New Line Cinema, who promptly released a movie with another fraudulent title (laughs) for Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason Goes to Hell. At least in Jason Takes Manhattan, he spent some time in Manhattan. Yeah. He spends no time in hell in this movie. But that's for us to get to. Uh, I think we lost Scott. Scott's fading away. Yeah, you sound like you're about six, uh, like a football field away from your microphone. Yeah. Right now. No. 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 Now you're about half a football field away. Oh, God, it's getting worse. Okay. Yep. Oh, God, no. Hang on. Scott. We're going to have recording issues, and this episode's never going to end. No, this is going to be the longest episode we've ever done, because we can't get everybody together to record. This is this is not good. <laughs> no, this is going real well. Yeah, so far it's going about as well as the movie itself. Yeah, the movie itself. <laughs> it's a good, good representation. What about now? Uh, Hold on. Talk talk now. No. Okay. Better, but still not where it was. Getting there, getting there. Like literally nothing on my end changed. There you go. I think that's decent. I mean, I changed some stuff just now to make it better, but Yeah, you still sound like you're a little bit far away. But he sounds better than he did. Yeah, that's true. No, it's true, you do. I can attempt to speak up a little bit. You know, yeah, you're going to have to yell. You're going to have to shout your opinions the entire show. Use your big boy voice. Yep. I can sing it operatically. Ooh, no. let's not do no. that. Um, 
movie's already painful enough. Yeah. So it's going to be painful enough. We don't need to punish the people anymore. Yeah. And uh, unlike our episode, this movie got a $3 million budget. Uh, it brought in $15.9 million at the box office for the wow. second second worst Friday the 13th movie ever to this point. After, you guessed it, Jason Takes Manhattan. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It made it made almost $16 million somehow, some way. Don't know how. Um, I think most of it was that slick ad campaign because this one had probably the most advertising budget out of all of them to this point. Uh, they did uh, TV spots, comic book uh, back covers. They had a comic book tie-in. Uh, they had a lot of promotional uh, going on with this. New Line was trying to get everything behind it um, to kind of reinvigorate the franchise because they were aiming for a Freddy versus Jason, which we wouldn't mm-hmm. see until another 10 years after this movie. Um, but they were really trying to bring Friday the 13th back to prominence to where Nightmare on Elm Street was at this point, and this was just not it. Just no, not uh, it. The best part of this movie is the VHS cover. Yeah, the cover's pretty sweet. I will give them credit. Uh, I have one minor change at the end that I, when I give my review, I will give one minor change that I think would have made this movie so much better in the eyes of the fans. You keep the, you can keep the concept. You can keep everything exactly the same in this movie, but make one minor tweak. And I think it would make people love it. Okay. But, uh, hear what this is, but, uh, I will, I will get to that at the end. Um, uh, otherwise, otherwise, we have a couple interesting notes uh, in this one. We see a uh, an in person appearance of Kane Hodder, who plays Jason, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. He's playing one of the uh, the FBI cop guards, security guards, whatever he is. I don't really care. Um, but Kane Hodder makes his, his uh, on-screen, out-of-makeup appearance, which is kind of fun. It's a little nod to everybody. Um, and we see a, a misspelling of the Voorhees name on the mailbox, which always gets me. Was that... That had to be intentional, right? I I don't know. Like, we... Was... we... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say I always thought it was intentional because, like, I wonder if at that point they weren't sure if they had the rights to, like, the Voorhees last name. And that that might be it. I just know that this series misses big details to the point where yeah. it would not shock me at all if uh, if they really thought that they had spelled his name right and they didn't. Um, but we see the introduction of uh, a couple key characters in the Friday the 13th mythology. We see Creighton Duke. We see that Jason has relatives that have never been spoken about until this very moment, yeah. which is just a terrible retcon. But uh, to the shock of nobody, uh, the movie underperforms and uh, is shelved for a while. And up until current day, we go the longest stretch between two movies between Jason goes to hell and Jason X, uh, which was just recently passed by the remake to present day. So uh, the movie underperformed so badly that it went into a, a near seven or eight year hiatus um, before it was, brought back to life. So that tells you how bad this movie actually did compared to expectations. Which again, is kind of crazy because expectations had to be low after the kind of downwardish trend after seven and eight. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just can't see how they were like, all right, we bought these rights. We're going to put this movie out. It's going to not have a lot of Jason in it. And we're going to expect it to do gangbusters. Well, like, yeah, what the fuck were you thinking? And you got to think the other, the other thing that's really remarkable is for a while, there was a new Friday the 13th every year. You know, you had 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 80, like every year there was a new one. Um, and I think between 80 and 89, they missed one year. Uh, so you had a new Friday the 13th every year. And now between Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell, there's a few years. And then there's a, an almost 10 year break. So it's just such a weird break in tradition that, you know, we complain, you know, about uh, paranormal activity or saw or whatever it is, getting a new movie every single year. And we're like, how could they like, how do they expect these to be good if, if they're only releasing one a year? But then you think back to the eighties and you think, well, Friday the 13th had a new movie just about every year. Nightmare on Elm Street had a movie just about every year. And we look at the quality of those and how hit or miss they are. And you can go back and look at our ratings on all of these. And you can see that maybe a year in between each movie is not enough. And it's not just for disappointing box office return stats. Yeah. There's a lot of burnout. Uh, it's literally what you just said. It's the same reason why, like, you saw the continual downward trend in, like, the the popularity of the Saw movies, the Paranormal Activity movies. The uh, It's why, an, another thing we've discussed, you're seeing people start to get, um, I think it might be rejuvenated in 2021, but why you're starting to see some people get, um, like, superhero movie hangovers, like, Keeping it with three Marvel movies a year could get kind of difficult. Like, it's just at some point you're just like, okay, guys, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like, can we, can we take a break? So, no, no, no breaks. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Sadly, it, it sometimes feels that way. Um, no breaks and no sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, franchise movies for every major franchise to a year. Uh. <laughs> Ugh. Well, uh, while the movie might not have brought audiences back and might not have uh, brought the crowds back in a big way, you know who did come back for this movie? Hmm. In a big, big way. As part of one of our favorite segments. Harry Manfredini is back making the music for this movie. And he went and rewrote all new all new music cues uh, that have a lot more of an, of an, like a, almost like a, like an organ kind of like it has a very distinct sound. Like if you go back and you compare the score from Jason goes to hell to, you know, part two, part three, part four. It's totally different. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Like it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting take and it's, it's, it just, it sounds a lot more, uh, demonic. And I'm sure Scott, you have no idea. No, I, I remember nothing about <laughs> of this movie. In fact, I, I've got more memory on the weapons that the FBI used in the ambush. Oh, I can't wait to get to that part. On any any movie or music for this at all. Uh, yeah. Um, Harry Manfredini uh, composed all new all new music and it has a very like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I'll pull in the musical example. Like, so Scott, this is for you. Um, 
like Jason goes to hell. All right, so the main the main theme song. This. It sounds a lot different than Friday the 13th stuff that we're used to up to this point. That sounds a bit more techno. We'll skip ahead a little bit, but it's very... So it just it has it has a different sound to it uh, that I think is is interesting in its uniqueness, uh, where you know it's it's very very easy to pick it out versus all of the other Friday the Thirteenth stuff. So you can definitely tell that New Line is trying to make it its own thing. Uh, they're trying to separate it apart uh, from all of the other entries into uh, into the series. So I at least appreciated that much. Part of me kind of wants to see somebody dressed up as Lurch from the Adams family <laughs> playing this on a harpsichord. Okay, then. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just that's what I get when I when I hear the music. It's like, I, I want to see Lurch playing this score on a harpsichord. Scott, you're a weird guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're a you're a weird I don't little man. Even know what the fuck to say to that? <laughs> hey, my brain goes to weird places. All right. Yeah, I know, bud. I know. I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, Harry Manfredini did not have anything to do with the Part Eight score. So, uh, bringing him back, uh, it was also the return of Sean Cunningham to a Friday the Thirteenth project. So it kind of felt like they were going for a hey, if you really liked Friday the 13th, but you didn't like where it was going, the band is back together, it's the OGs, like, let's let, let's give it another try. And trying to get those people back that maybe had left um, and had kind of given up on Friday the 13th because they kind of thought it was straying too far from where it was, and boy, were they in for a shock. <laughs> Because you talk about straying far, uh, Jason body swapping. Um, yeah. I guess that's also something that we should touch on is that um, uh, the original, uh, like the, the, the story is uh, Jason is able to body swap. I just, I can't. Um, With a worm? Well, yeah, he's like a hell worm. It's, that... it's through, it's through kid, uh, kissing, so he's got like a demonic motto. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um, it's a a plot that was uh, that was from uh, director Adam Marcus. Um, just really, really hyping up the supernatural elements um, and. <sighs> There's a there's a point where if you guys caught it, you know, Adam Marcus has been very vocal in his defense of Jason Goes to Hell. And uh there's a part towards the end where you see the Necronomicon. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know how you can miss it. It's like and, no, yeah. It's 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 center frame, yeah. it clips through it a few um, times, yeah. Because they uh they were not able to officially tie into the evil dead, but he said that was his way of officially tying in the evil dead and making it known that Jason is a deadite. Um, so I, I didn't get that, but okay. yeah, that's his, uh, uh, he has gone on record a bunch, um, saying that, you know, Jason is a deadite. He confirmed it in an interview a few years ago saying that that was his intention. That was, the whole thing was people were supposed to put it together in the theaters that Jason is a deadite and that's why he has the powers that he has. And that's, you know, trying to flesh out his backstory a little more, even though it really didn't need it. Um, so. Well, he, yeah. He wanted the audiences to make those connections. Yes. From the presence of a book that probably 
it's you're going on a leap of faith that enough of your audience have seen the tie-in movies to even know what the book is referenced from. Yeah. Okay. Um. And also the uh, the the role of Stephen, the guy who won't take off his damn Letterman's jacket, um, was originally Tommy Jarvis. And uh, but New Line in the in the sale of intellectual property, Tommy Jarvis was not part of that transaction. So uh, they New Line only owned the rights to Jason, not Tommy, so they legally could not use Tommy Jarvis, but that was supposed to be Tommy. Um, so, just a little bit, a little tidbit for you. So he said they uh, came up with new characters that were dumb. Yeah. How about dumb? Oh, we'll get to characters. Generic, maybe. Um... And uh, yeah, we'll 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 get to characters here in a, in, a, in a minute. But um, uh, otherwise, um, the uh, the movie released in two different versions: the theatrical cut and the uncut. I believe we all watched the uncut version. Yeah, um, pretty sure. I, I'm not yeah. sure what are what's the big difference between them. It's like four or five minutes of it's, it's just a lot like the, uh, the, the tent kill is a lot different. Um, okay. there's, there's, it, it's mostly just the gore. It's not really, um, there's not a lot of difference. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, uh, the, the unrated cut is actually three minutes longer. Um, oh. so, so not that, that, not that long. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, for whatever reason in that um, they, they released a several years ago, they released a, a Friday, the 13th 10 Blu-ray set and the Blu-ray copy of Jason goes to hell is the R rated cut, but it comes with an ultraviolet code and the ultraviolet copy is the unrated version. So why they did that? I have no idea, but the, uh, the scream factory, release is the uncut version uh so did, it, did you get yours yet uh mine uh, ships from amazon um oh, okay. uh by the time well by the time this episode airs yes i do have it now um it's fantastic <laughs> oh, yeah. i actually got it uh because uh, you know we're we're talking on friday so i actually got it yesterday um <laughs> so it's wonderful it is an amazing you probably saw uh, some of the pictures that we put on the, uh, the, the social media page um, yesterday. Wink, wink. Um, yes, the <laughs> pictures were quite beautiful. Uh, I enjoyed them thoroughly. No, I saw that. Uh, they are amazing. I uh, Did you enjoy the pictures of the prints that came with mine that I posted? See, uh, and I saw Scream Factory um, was sending out a bunch of them early. Um but, uh, yeah, as somebody who ordered from Amazon, Amazon just lowered the price on it, too. Um, they lowered it down to 120 Um And thanks to their uh, awesome uh, pre-order guarantee, um, yeah, it's, uh, you can get the, the whole box set for 120 on Amazon. So it doesn't come with the, the, the posters, but if you don't care about the posters and you just want the movies, it's the way to go. Because I think it was what, like one sixty, from Scream Factory. Yeah, yeah. one sixty. And looking at it on Amazon right now, it's uh, it's listed at one twenty nine. So oh, they brought they bumped it back up ten bucks. But one twenty nine still. I mean, save thirty bucks and uh, don't get posters. Like, uh. I'm trying to remember what I if I actually paid one fifty nine or if it was. I just like I'm never gonna put the posters up, so I'm not I'm not that worried about posters. So I I'd never pre-ordered from Scream Factory before, and I will 
you know, we'll see what I end up doing with the posters and I'm sure they'll go up somewhere eventually. Uh, as as franchise box set packaging goes, it is it does look beautiful packaging. Uh, I, I love the box. I love the art. I love everything they've done with it. It's pretty incredible. Like it's it's a well done set. Uh, all of the all of the discs uh, look great. They use the uh, the classic theatrical poster art, except for part five where they use the international poster, which is weird. Mm. But uh, otherwise, they use like the classic theatrical poster artwork which is awesome um it was just funny my favorite part about that and then we'll move on to the next uh, next thing is um like the day it was announced all of those tins went up online uh like because before the 10 12 movie set would go for like five six seven hundred dollars because it, it, it released at a hundred right? yeah yeah and uh, it was the like the only way you could get it, all of the movies together in one pack was to buy this tin, and yeah, originally it was a hundred bucks, and um, it was quickly discontinued, and then it like I never saw it for less than four hundred dollars online, and then the day that that Scream Factory announced this, there were a ton of them on eBay, and they were going for like a hundred bucks or less, yeah, like people were just unloading them. Uh, I had a friend who was like, I can't believe I can sell this for like 400 bucks. And it's like, dude, like, and this was a couple of years ago. It's like yours is literally like one of the hinges is broken and your case is dented and you lost all the extra stuff that comes with it. A good condition one can sell for 400. Yeah. Um, you can probably sell that for about 80. The first thing I did with it uh, when I bought it is I sold the ultraviolet code for $40 good call uh which was about which made up about a half of the cost of it which was nice because i never used the ultraviolet stuff so i sold the code uh and then i held on to it and um i uh recently after they uh announced the big box set i sold my tin uh i will just say that i could have bought probably two at least two of the scream factory sets plus a little more for what i sold my tin for um, so I think I made out okay on that one. That's actually kind of surprising. Yeah. See, I know a lot of those tens started like those number or like the, how much they were going for dropped fucking quick after see. they announced the scream factory one. Um, I, uh, it, it's all about using the proper keywords and using the right pictures. Uh, like I had the patch that came with it still in the plastic mm-hmm. wrap and, uh, the 3D glasses were with it. And like, I had everything together, like everything set, um, pretty much perfect. So, um, thumbs up to that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. eBay buyer, um, who will remain nameless, um, for, for funding a couple things, uh, that I was able to do. So that was nice. Uh, but back to the task at hand. Cause, uh, God, this this episode's already too long. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the makeup and the special effects. This is an interesting. Um, this is an interesting case where there's actually not like one person that's in charge of makeup. It's an entire. It's that KNB makeup effects group. Uh, so they actually just outsourced an entire makeup special effect company. Um, and so that was kind of interesting. Well, personally, I, I thought the gore and makeup effects in this far surpassed a lot of the, the Friday the 13th movies, just in general. I mean, you got you know the cop that melts, the torso rip in half. Um, what else? I'm trying to look through. It's been a while since I've watched this. I'm trying to look through quite a bit of the, the stuff. There's some mundane kills as well, but as far as when you do have uh, gore and stuff, a lot of blood. I mean, the blood in this was a lot more than what we were used to for a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Overall, I just I really loved uh, the gore and makeup effects in this one. Uh, let's really talk did. about uh, the the kill that's probably going to be everybody's favorite is the uh, the not even much of a cutaway the uh, 
tent through the tent through the torso up over the shoulder kill, which was pretty graphic. Yeah. So uh that was a good one. Yeah, there's a lot to like here if you if you like gore and you like uh um you know, if you like, I know people are like, if you like the wet stuff, but that sounds weird for me to say. But if you <laughs> if you like gore and you like uh, you like the like even the initial like Jason exploding from the FBI is pretty graphic. Fucking FBI mortar rounds. Mortars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that's pretty uh yeah yeah you said you did some research on what what, what kind of fire firepower is the uh, fbi rocking in this one God, i don't I, you know I, when i watched this and i i, I started it up and, and you get that whole twist because that whole beginning is like actually really good all the way up until the twist and then the floodlights come on and for some odd reason the fbi come fast roping out of trees i don't why would you put them in an elevated position when you're just going to take them out of an elevated position immediately? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Um, for the most part, you know, the, the FBI, they're using uh, uh, M16A1s, uh, which I guess is okay. You know, um, you know, a FBI, well, actually most SWAT and tactical teams would be using, now they'd be using the M4 platform. But, you know, in the, when this movie was made, yeah, it would most, it would most definitely be, actually it would be the M16A2s, not the A1s, but they probably got a surplus deal. Um, but you got one guy for some odd reason using a World War II M2 carbine. There's various revolvers. Uh, for, for, for different crimes that I couldn't really make out. There's a LAR Grizzly Wind Mag, a Ruger Blackhawk is in there, and the most confusing one of all is their heavy machine gun support is an M1919A1. This is, this is a Browning 30 caliber World War II era machine gun. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Was the FBI on a budget during, during this, this, this era for this operation? I, I don't get it, but yeah, the, the the weapons were all over the damn place, and then mortars, mortars for a close in ambush, mortars. <laughs> I mean, you got friendlies downrange, and it, it, you really think your mortar teams are that crack of a shot? Okay, go for it. Well, you can't take any chances with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Apparently not. I also like how they make no explanation of how he gets back to the camp. Uh, he's just, he's just there. Like he is, it's just like, he just somehow, I guess he floats back from New York down the Atlantic back into Camp Crystal Lake, the way that he got there, the way that the boat got there originally. I guess. He, he, I don't know. He, he, he took a charter. Oh yeah. The SS Lazarus too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess is, uh, how he came back. But, uh, yeah, it's just like known that he is uh he's there. Uh no real no real explanation, but there he is. Um and yeah, I, I agree with you. Like the opening is actually like quite strong. Like the opening is, is like is interesting and it's fun and it builds a little bit of suspense. And and then, you know, you reveal the twist and it just yeah, kind of for deflates the next, for the next yeah for the next several minutes you're like what the fuck am i watching and then yeah then we go wheeling him into the morgue and the body is smoking and i, I don't know why because as, as far as i know we, we've we've jumped quite a bit of time because this isn't the morgue at you know where crystal lake is i think they bring him back to langley um or something because it, it says where he's at and why is he smoking I don't, I don't get that. <sighs> I'm like, what? Hey, hey, once again, my brain goes to weird places, man. No, no, and I'm not, like, this I'm actually agreeing with you on. Like, after the opening five minutes of this movie, I think it's just a nosedive. There's so unrelentingly so little about this movie that I found find enjoyable. Uh, there's just like every single character is one dimensional, every single, and I'm not saying that like 
the, the characters in a lot of the other movies are like, you know, highly developed or anything like that. And I'm not expecting one to be, you know, I, you know what you're getting into. We talked about this. I think it parts. Um, I think we at like parts four. It was one of the part like four or six episodes where you really like at that point is when you like you really start the tonal shift from like the characters aren't your main character anymore. And Jason has flipped into your main now. Yeah. Uh, so it's just I. I <laughs> I don't give a shit about anyone in this movie. I don't give a fuck about anyone in this movie. The And all I can think is watching the, like, sleazy news reporter guy. Legitimately, like, the only thing I can think is it's like, did Futurama base, like, bad 80s guy off of him? Because he looks just like him. That's a very real possibility. Uh, yeah, there's... There's, and we'll get to this in characters, but there's not a lot of redeeming characters in this pretty much at all. Um, but, all right, we'll get out of this one and we'll get into characters. Uh, what's everybody's favorite kill in this one? Personally, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, uh, the the deputy melting after Jason left him. I, I just I like I liked the whole visual on it. Um, uh, it was I don't know somewhat unexpected. You know, Jason leaves his body and then all of a sudden he literally just melts down and implodes from the inside out. I don't know if you consider that a kill or not, but I do. I would consider he, that a kill. He did die. Um, Flanagan, you and I talked about this already. Yeah. Uh. My favorite kill in the movie is Jason at the beginning. It's a good kill. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, like, you can, it was a $3 million budget, and I think, like, about a fifth of it went to just that scene. So, uh, I just, again, everything after the opening scenes of this movie just drops so fucking low. Yeah, and that's yeah, like that's the Jason issue. Getting parts. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say, like Jason getting parts blown off. Yeah, uh, you know the ridiculous thing of the like the female agent that played bait, like <laughs> her tucking and rolling and picking up a machine gun and starting to fire, is perfect. <laughs> Tell you how hard I like it. It gets me every time. I like stupid, like I, I stoner laugh at that. <laughs> it's just like literally that happens, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's funny. Like that's the whole thing. It's so fucking dumb that I can't do anything but laugh at it. Yeah, it's 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 tough to take it seriously. Um, I have an issue with that scene, but uh, I'll save that for my review. Um, but it is, it is, uh, you know, the kill that they spend the most time on. It is probably one of the most visually impactful just because, like, it seems like the barrage of bullets just never stops. Mm -hmm. Like, you just have to ask them, like, what is your bullet budget for this, this mission? Like, uh, how much money did you guys spend on bullets just to make sure that you, and ammo, just to make sure that you, you take him down? Um, I guess I'm the only, uh, I'm the only shameless pervert here that, uh, my favorite kill is the tent kill. Cause boobies. Yeah, you know, that's right. Uh, so you just got to pause it at the right spot so that, you know, it doesn't get gross and you get a weird boner. Um, <laughs> cause it's all fun and games until then you start getting a boner when you're watching the woman get killed. And then you're like, ugh, cause it's real, real graphic. And then you're like, oh, but I'm still, uh, I still got a boner. Uh, so it's weird, but it's, you know, what it, it is, what it is. Um, it's like owner vertigo. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like if you, if you don't pause it at the right time, you just, you gotta listen to the music cues. Don't be like Scott, listen for the music. Cause then you'll know when it's about to happen and you can save yourself some weird, weird emotions. Um, all right. So with that out of the way, we'll go to, uh, our next category, which is you see jason was my son 
and today is his birthday. It's uh, it's not his birthday anymore, uh, but it is his death day. I don't know where I was going with that. Fucking whatever. Um, we have a shit ton of characters that no one really cares about in this movie. Uh, yep. Just a lot of disposable characters. Uh, the one guy that I really, really enjoyed that I had no idea was actually in this movie uh, was uh, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get his name because he is like the greatest. Um, had no idea that Leslie Jordan was in it. Uh, he's the, uh, the little guy that's married to that, uh, cook woman. Uh, he's four eleven, and he is, uh, he plays Shelby is his character name. And he is, he is one of my favorite actors of all time. And I forgot that he was in this movie and he showed up for the first time. And I lost my shit. I was like, oh my, I can't, I can't believe that I forgot that he was in it. Uh, he's the only character in this movie that I liked. Uh, everybody else was hot garbage. Well, I would really like to talk about real quick that entire diner scene because I love this diner. I love the people in this diner. I mean, first of all, you get the cook lady who is a great character. She's probably one of the better characters in this, except for Shelby. Shelby and her, they play off each other really well. But, you know, when they go to get the baby, <laughs> and she explains, no one's going to touch that fucking ray of sunshine. <laughs> that is one of my favorite lines because it's so over the top and funny, but it's also so perfect. Well, and then they start start prepping, and apparently this is the most well-armed diner I have ever seen. So yeah. we've got two semi-automatic pistols, a double-barrel shotgun, and then conveniently looks back, and behind, in plain view behind the, the counter, is a machete <laughs> just hanging on the wall. <laughs> Don't fuck about, man. Yeah. <laughs> apparently not. Do not try to rob this diner. You will lose. Yeah, I'm guessing that they had uh, some issues before. Uh, yes. so they are like, they're not, she's not taking any chances at this point anymore. Yeah. And not only a double barrel shotgun, but apparently enough ammunition for, uh, the lady to reload several yeah. times that double barrel shotgun. I don't, I don't know if they're just going out back on their break and, and, and doing some skeet or trap shooting <laughs> or what, uh, it gets boring when, uh, during the low times, that's what they have to do know, for fun. They got to throw her up on the roof, you know, and walk out <laughs> the bag. All right, pull. <laughs> I see I no problem. With this. That's awesome. And then, uh, she's, she's very good also at, uh, at uh, marketing with the um, uh, with the Jason Burgers, where she's like, "No, no, yo, you take out enough that it's only half a patty. So when you do two for one, you're really yeah. just you're really just uh, selling one." And it's like, "Damn, like that's smart. Like she's she's not messing around. Like she's she's smart." Yeah, she was a. Uh... She was a good character. Of course, she'll be playing off of her. You know, uh, I, I like that actor too. I've seen him in. Um, he's one of those actors you've seen him in so many things. Yeah. You know, over the years, you're just like, what do I know him from? And then you go and look, and you're like, oh, I fucking know him from everything. Yeah, he was in. Uh, he's been in several seasons of uh, American Horror Story. Um, like he's been he's been around, and I mean that in the best possible way because like. He w- I remember him from, uh, he was a teacher on friggin' uh, Boston Public. Uh, I think he was like oh the music. Oh my god, he was like, you're right. He was like the music teacher from uh, Boston Public. And uh, so like that's when I first was like, this guy's friggin' awesome. And then, um, so every time I see him like show up in other stuff, I'm like, that's the guy. So, um, yeah, I watch a lot of TV. Is that, is that never mind. Don't, uh. Don't answer that. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, so he he was like the only character that I liked. All of the uh, all of the quote unquote main characters were trash and um, annoying, and I just could not wait for them to die. But before we leave Leslie Jordan, Shelby, real quick, yeah, you and I were discussing TikTok yesterday. Yes, we were. Yes, and, uh, yes, we were thirty plus year old. Two guys uh, talking about TikTok. Yep. Hey, 
TikTok has got some great, great content on it, but uh, he also has a TikTok account. Oh, my God. That's enough for me to get on TikTok to watch him. You got to go look it up because back when uh, this whole COVID thing started back in the spring and everything and and stuff was first shut down, you know? Yeah. He posted a video, just him in his house, and he's like, oh, how y'all doing? (laughs) What are you doing in this time? Fucking. (laughs) (laughs) He's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> that's friggin' oh, great. That great yeah we need to get him on the show we should have had him on for this episode oh if only um, but yeah otherwise uh, friggin um, all, most of the rest of the characters are pretty trash uh, Creighton Duke what do we feel about Creighton Duke we can't leave without sure talking about Creighton. There. <laughs> hey, I like Creighton Duke. I like this actor. You know, I've seen him in a bunch yeah. of other things, Supernatural and stuff. He's he's everywhere. He's in the Blues Brothers. Um, so this actor is great. I, I, I love him. I, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting him once. He's a very nice person. Um, apparently, he would only do the role if he could dress as a cowboy, which that just bumps him up, in my opinion, for for this for this whole role. Um. And the fact that apparently he he takes sadistic pleasure in breaking people's fingers. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's okay though, because apparently you know uh, Ryan heals his fingers. You know his fingers heal like just within a couple of hours. Because like by Act Three, they're giving him no problems at all. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's, he's gripping things and opening yeah. doors and stuff without a problem. He's driving, no problem. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> Not a problem in the world. Yeah. Um you mean you mean a Friday the thirteenth movie does not have proper continuity? No, it definitely does. Not even from movie to movie, just in its own movie. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I mean, you know, he maybe he got the ability to heal from one of the artifacts in the series. I don't know. Maybe. I don't maybe he yeah, maybe the Book of the Dead. Um uh, brought him back to life, like brought his fingers back to life. But, um, yeah. So, okay. So we've talked about all of the, you know, the worthwhile non Jason characters, but here we have for the second movie in a row, Kane Hodder is as Jason for about eight minutes. Um, how do we feel about how he did, in the opening and closing of this movie. When he's there, he, yeah. he, he looks great. He does a great job. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't have minded to see, you know, if you take the, the tone of that opening movie or the opening scene, just, just stretch that out into a full Friday the 13th movie, I think you would have made a beautiful Jason. Yeah. Just no. <laughs> See, that's the thing uh, that you know. We have this great debate about, and not not necessarily us, but like people have this great debate about who the best Jason is, and how it's Kane Hodder. And uh, but I think by the time we're done, we're going to all agree that Kane Hodder is saddled with uh, some of the worst movies in the series. Um, sorry, by the way, this is his third time playing Jason because he also played him in part seven. So, uh, seven, eight, nine, and 10 were his four. My bad. Um, but, um, yeah, he gets saddled with a lot of bad movies. So, um, yeah. Personally, the, the, the whole debate on who is the best Jason um, I, I don't think it's a completely fair question because you're dealing with actors that are getting, you know, the, ultimately it's it's up to the director of, you know, how what what performance he coaxes out of his actor, what takes of his performance he decides to utilize in the final cut, uh, you know, the 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 editing and and everything. So you, you can't lump everything on. You can't say, oh well. You know, Kane Hodder was, you know, the best or Kane Hodder was the worst because blah, blah, blah. I mean, he was actors have there's so much extenuating circumstances between what they do on set versus what we finally see. 
the, the, the comparing multiple actors in a, in a role over this period of time and a role that is so had this, 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 this almost, you know, pendulum swing back and forth that, I mean, where, where do you even define your sweet spot of, of what is the character? Cause it's all over the map by this point, as far as what he is, is he supernatural? Is he not supernatural? Is he a dream? Is he, you know, blah, blah, blah. So with so many different people interpreting it so many different ways, I just don't think it's a fair debate. I just go by what I see on the screen and on the screen in that opening sequence, uh, I thought he did a fine job. I, I thought it was good. Um, I can agree with that. Stop I, being reasonable and get in on this conversation. <laughs> I'm a reasonable person. I just, I'm not, uh, it, it's just too fucking, there's not enough of Jason in this movie to give like an accurate thing. Like, Okay, we get the opening, we get the closing, so we get, I think you said, like, eight minutes of screen time, and then yeah. we get, like, flashes in, like, mirrors and windows and that kind of horse shit. Uh, there's almost not enough Jason screen time to be like, here's what I thought of Jason. Oh, wait, I don't fucking know. Uh, that is a very fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and, and that is one of the <laughs> several uh, top criticisms of this movie is that there is just not a lot of Jason and there's not, you know, there's, there's just not enough. And, you know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, the jaws mentality of less is more, but at the same time, um, you know, you need to have at least a little bit, um, to get an idea of what, like, like with jaws, there's a payoff. Yeah. And with this one, there is just not, not a payoff like you don't get enough jason for it to be a real payoff so yeah it's this one's real tough to uh um to uh critique jason but uh the the other people that were walking around as zombies that weren't jason were all terrible yeah this is true well yeah just like this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 rough to get through. Like, let's let's be honest. Um, which brings us to mercifully, unless anybody has any other notes of anything that they didn't get to talk about, you can lump it into your review. Because let's go out of five. We'll start with Scott. Out of five, what do you got? Okay, so you're not going to like this. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I've stayed out of this this whole thing every time we've talked about this movie. Because, you know, you all have obviously expressed your displeasure with this movie. Um, personally, I don't mind this movie. Okay? But I'm going to defend that statement here real quick. Um, my, I, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it two reviews. So my primary review, I give this actually three and a half stars. Are you fucking? Wow. My hang on. God, hang on. Let, let me defend five. my position now real quick. Let me, let me get this in as a Friday, the 13th movie. This movie is horrendous. If you want to watch a Friday, the 13th movie, do not watch this movie. Do not go anywhere near this movie. Um, that being said, there is nothing about this movie other than the opening scene and the very, very like last two minutes or whatever that has anything to do with Friday the Damn 13th at all. So if you take that out and you just treat this as just a generic horror movie with where the, the killer jumps bodies because it has a supernatural edge to it and we have to find – you know, he has to get his uh, his only blood relative to live again, and you got the heroes trying to stop that. You got the killer jumping bodies, a little bit of supernatural aspect thrown in, good gore. It's a good generic B-horror movie. If this had everything Jason and Friday the 13th stripped out of it completely, and you just watched it from the morgue scene... Um, all the way up until like right before Jason 
pops back in. It's not a bad horror movie. I mean, it is a bad horror movie, but it's not a bad, bad horror movie. It's a good, bad horror movie, or at least an average bad horror movie. Hence, three and a half stars. Now, because they did release it under the, the, the Friday the 13th, and they tried to shoehorn Jason into it and do this whole thing. If the entire movie, when I watch it, feels like somebody has this idea for a great horror movie, and they want to get it made, but they can't. And then somebody approaches them, hey, why don't you do Friday the 13th? Yeah, I can do that. And they just film this movie instead with what they need to make it Friday the 13th. That's why I give it three and a half stars. I would watch this just for those reasons before I would ever watch Jason Takes Manhattan again. As a Friday the 13th movie, what did I give Jason Manhattan? Was it one or one and a half? You gave Jason I Takes... I think we all gave it one. Yeah, we all gave it a one. In that case, as a Friday the 13th movie, I'd give it one and a half, because Jason versus Manhattan, or Ghost of Manhattan, whatever, is still, in my opinion, the worst of the series. So that's my defense of this movie. Well, I am officially putting you down as 3.5. Three and a half. Give it to me. I'm good with it. That was the rating that you have given it for, my God, whatever reason. Um, (laughs) I just... Fair enough. Holy Lord. Um, all right. Coron, bring us back to reality. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> all right. A uh, couple, couple notes about why I'm going to give it what I'm going to give it. Uh, I went back and I changed my mind about part five and dumped that down to a half a machete. Um, and I will say, I think this is better than part five. Marginally. Oh. Um, and only, only marginally, uh, and in keeping with the half to, uh, one and not breaking it down into like quarters, I'm going to also, uh, probably throw out and give this as well. One half machete. Cora with a point five. All right. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty here. Okay. So we have a three and a half and a half. So we're averaging a two right now for this movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's where I am. First of all, I also want to note uh, the ridiculous noises that Jason makes uh, when the FBI is attacking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, how terrible those are and how goofy it is. And it kind of sets the tone for the rest of it. Uh, I forgot that my note says... Jason making stupid sounds in FBI attack. Um, so uh, I, 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 it was, it struck me so much that I needed to make a note about it. Um, so there's that. Uh, here's, here's the thing. This movie gets panned a lot because it's a Friday the 13th movie with no Jason, much like part five. Uh, I think part five delivers a little bit better than this. Um, Incorrect. Ah, uh, but here's I have one small tweak that you could make to this movie, and I think everybody would appreciate it a whole lot more. And it's it's very reasonable within the confines of the movie uh, because it is possible uh, story wise. It would be possible to make sense. It would be fan service. I think people would like it a whole lot better. I think if in the beginning. Uh, when Jason has been brought to the morgue and uh, he comes back to life and he kills the, the guy doing the autopsy. I think this movie would have been a whole lot better if he would have body jumped to Kane Hodder. And then Kane Hodder would have been the next in line and been quote unquote Jason Okay, yeah, you've got me with that. Um, I think that would have made for a much cooler... Because they they cross paths because Jason kills him. Uh, And he's found dead in the hallway. So there could have been a point where he body jumps to Kane Hodder. So then Kane Hodder is the one who starts the trek across. And it's not the, the autopsy guy. It's actually Kane Hodder, which I think would have been pretty kick ass. Uh, if they would have done that, it would have been really easy to give this 
more more machetes, more hockey masks, more whatever our rating scale is, then I'm going to. Uh, because I cannot give this more than one. So one out of five is my score. Uh, it just leaves so much to be desired. Uh, uh, Scott, you make good points that if it was not a Friday the 13th movie, I probably would um, rate it better. But it is it is a Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. It is a Friday the 13th movie, and I have to judge it thusly. That's fine. It's, um, it's, it's good. And although I, I, you do make good points because it does have good gore effects. Uh, it has good jump scares, like the opening and the closing are pretty solid. Uh, but it's the, you know, 90 minutes in between that I just can't get behind. But imagine, um, imagine the scene where, you know, Kane Hodder is out stalking somebody and he passes by a mirror and there's Jason but you see Kane Hodder, and in the reflection, you see Jay. Like that would be a such a well, fucking cool shot. It would. Well, and and they use that like once. There's like once yeah. or twice, maybe, where you see Jason's reflection. And personally, if you're discussing ways to potentially have fixed this movie or made this concept work as a Friday the Thirteenth, I think instead of just having him jump to Kane Hodder, which don't get me wrong, would have been awesome, um, and just be Kane Hodder. I think it would have been better if um, you as, you established the body jump, you know. So the fir- after the first body jump, if you know you have the, we all we see is the reflection, and from that point on, every time he body jumps, all we ever see of the killer is the reflection. So all we see is Jason and a reflection, and they always keep it unknown until he jumps again who he was in. That way, the audience doesn't know who to distrust. If it was a higher brow movie and they actually played up the, we don't really know who we can trust. I would be all for that. I just wanted to see Kane Hodder, you know, be Jason, but not have to put on all the makeup. And, uh, I just think it would have been, would have been fun. Yeah. If you, if you're doing the, the, the body jumping concept and you don't have him jump into Kane Hodder, that's, I, I, it seems a no-brainer. But, yeah, like, it just... Why, why, why wouldn't you do it? What a wasted opportunity that was, and, like, watching it again for this, I was just like, what a waste. Like, that could have been really great. But, uh, yeah, I can only give it a one, uh, tie it with uh, Takes Manhattan, and... Uh, what did I give part five? Because I might have to adjust my... Oh, no, I gave part five a one and a half. That's okay. Um, yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm very happy with my rating so far. I'm going to end up having a uh, a like a definitive ranking of how I feel. Because like, I've, I've always had that issue where I'm like, I wonder, like, I like this one, but then I kind of like this one. I wonder which one I would like better. Like, which one? Like, and now I'm going to have my definitive ranking, which is great. So... I'm happy like with this. It. I like this project. So uh, next, we're uh, we're up. Uh, we're leaving. We're not just leaving Crystal Lake. We're leaving Earth. We just can't handle it anymore. We're blasting off into space. We're going to the year twenty four fifty five. Because next up on the list, boys, Jason X. It was the first this movie. Is uh... <laughs> Out of this world. Uh, yeah, hey, I made that joke a while ago, but, and I love it. Watch you. I'm stealing your material. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to steal, steal from credit. the best. This was the final one. It says it in the title. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the final chapter, the final Friday. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because, like, you watch, um, uh, you watch Friday, next Friday, Friday after next, and then it gets real weird at the final Friday. It does. So, it's like the things go off the rails. The series gets weird uh, by the time you get to the final one. But uh, next next week is quite possibly uh, it, it's it's a uh, it's a milestone for me because it's the first one that I was old enough to actually see in theaters. So we're gonna find out if I did or not. Uh, but it was the first Friday the Thirteenth that I was actually of age to go watch in the uh, the golden age of theater two thousand two. Um, so 
was not the golden age of theater. Uh, Somewhere down the East Coast, there were two guys named Chris yeah. who were both very excited for this movie. Way too excited. And, and were in theaters with almost no one else to and, see this uh, movie. I have a great story about that. I have a great story about the production of this movie. Uh, but yeah, next is Jason X. Thank you guys for uh, suffering through Jason Goes to Hell with me. That's no problem. Scott, you got anything to say? I don't know. Do I? Uh, I, I talk about the Patreon. Scott, talk about the Patreon. Talk about our Patreon, Scott. Oh, um, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash FWB podcast if you want to hear more special series like this. And I, I also got to know why everybody decided to make part seven the most downloaded episode and most listened to episode in this series since part three. Uh, Which we four. appreciate, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I I appreciate it a whole lot, but really, but part seven more than four, five, and six—that's weird. <laughs> uh, whatever, I'm into it. It works. Uh, hashtag FWB podcast on any of your social media platforms, wherever you're listening to us. Uh, give us a five star review. Um, you know, send your nudes, iHeartStamos at gmail.com, 270-883-1617. Thank you for checking us out. Jason X rules. It's coming up next week. We're putting this bullshit behind us. Yes. Then, thank you for being our friends. Fuck you, Scott, with benefits. <laughs>